read a note for you that I received this week uh, from a young man named Nathan Hogue, who's a church planter in Denver, Colorado. Dear Green Tree, thank you so much for your support of the Sacred Grace Inglewood. That's the name of their church. Two weeks ago, we celebrated our second anniversary. One of, our, one of many guests of honor that night was the city manager. He came up to the front and told our entire congregation that if it weren't for our weekly prayer meeting with him in his office, he would have left his post long ago due to a dysfunctional city council, among other things. The work we were able to do in and for this city is only possible because of generous donors like you. I could tell you a hundred stories of how God is using your contributions to impact this city. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We couldn't do this without you. Let me read for you a note I received recently from a young man named Ryan Van Horn, who's from St. Louis originally, is now a church planter in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, but prior to going to Chattanooga, he spent two years at a church planting residency program in Brooklyn, New York, and Green Tree uh, sponsored uh, his residency with about a $10,000 uh, donation. Dear Green Tree family, Coretta Scott King says the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. Our communities have never met. We have never joined together for a community project or simply shared a meal. Yet you, Green Tree, have played a significant role in our lives. Thank you for your support. Thank you for loving us well. Resurrection is only four months old, and we have already seen two adults, two children, and two infants baptized. 50% of our congregation haven't been to church in two to 20 years. People are reconnecting with Jesus, discovering Jesus, and deepening their relationship with him and his church. And you have played a significant role in that. We wouldn't be here or be able to join Christ in the renewal of all things without your compassion and actions towards us. Much love, Resurrection Church. A letter I received from Kirk Ackeson. Kirk Ackeson was our very first church planting intern at Green Tree. He helped us in the early 2000s launch uh, our church plant over in Webster Groves. And Kirk, uh, when they finished seminary, they went, he and Deb went to Boulder, Colorado and planted All Souls Boulder. And Green Tree helped them with that financially. Many of you individually who were there at that time helped them financially, and he's now planting a church in the downtown area in an underserved neighborhood in Nashville, Tennessee. And Kirk writes, Deb and I came to St. Louis for seminary 18 years ago. Our story has been leaked to Green Tree's vision for church planting ever since. We sat in the seats at Kirkwood Middle School hearing pastors and elders share each week a vision to keep planting churches. You already planted yourself in the crossing. That was our very first church plant in Columbia, Missouri. You were looking to plant in Webster. It was in your DNA. You couldn't stop talking about it and planning for the future. All these years later, it's still a large part of who you are. I can't fathom a Green Tree Community Church that doesn't plant churches. You have poured yourselves out for the kingdom. Your vision, resources, and influence stretch far beyond St. Louis and Missouri. We're better people because of your vision. St. Louis and the world are better because of your vision. May there not be a day that Green Tree Community Church doesn't exist for the cause of Jesus and planting churches for his glory. We love you, Kirk and Deb. One more note I received from uh, Troy Wilson, who's the lead pastor at the table in San Francisco, California. Dear Green Tree Community Church, greetings from the table. We are a church in downtown San Francisco that's being planted among a multicultural and polytheistic setting. 
Green Tree Community Church has invested in us, faithfully prayed for us, and the spiritual hungry San Franciscans to find their fulfillment and satisfaction in Jesus. Here are a few quotes from our congregation to encourage you to keep planting congregations locally and globally. Otis, who is a professional violinist, the table is like a spiritual family for me. I'm not a Christian, but I can't wait to spend time with this community each week. Thank you for starting this community that's loving and safe. From a gentleman named Jeff who's retired. The table is like a fruit truck that's being used by God to send fruit into different parts of the world. I, I want to buy a fruit truck. And like, you know, we're green tree. It seems to make sense. Churches get vans and buses. We're going to have a fruit truck, right? Let's keep investing in the lives of others who will be sent out to other parts of the world. And then from Ho, who is a Chinese a gentleman who is a recent convert to Christ through the table and is studying to be a concert pianist. I'm so thankful for the table uh, church that's helping me understand the gospel and grow in my relationship with God. I can't wait to return to my home country, China, and start a new church there. Is it okay to call it the table? <laughs> I think you ought to call it fruit truck. I, I, I don't know. Now, Troy, again, I challenge you to keep planting new congregations locally and globally. As you continue to dig in, remember that your continued growth depends on being connected to Jesus. So let's stay rooted in the gospel of grace as you continue to branch out. Remember, God's love and grace extends to all types. So let's share the good news. And as you continue to live it up, remember that all of life is worship. So let's bring others into a relationship with Jesus. Planting churches together, Troy. Hear the word of God as it's found in Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 10, and 1 Peter 2. You might want to follow along on the screen this morning, even if you have a Bible, because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bounce through these passages. Now, there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, Saul who later became the apostle Paul. That's, that's that guy. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The work to which God had called them was church planting, starting new congregations. In Acts chapter 14, we catch up with Saul and Barnabas and we get, a, we get an update. When they had preached the gospel to that city and they had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is actually, now we're with the apostle Paul years later, uh, probably about a decade after what just uh, we read in, in Acts uh, 14. Uh, he is writing now to a church that he planted originally. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospels in lands beyond you. And then lastly, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is now an old church planter. He's been around the block a few times. This is one of his last letters, and he's writing to a young church planting pastor, one of his uh, protégés, one of uh, his disciples named Timothy. He's talking about preaching the good news, and he says, this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires that all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God, and there's one mediator between God 
and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is a testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed as a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it is powerful and it is mighty and it conquers kingdoms and it conquers individual souls. It has broken down uh, the resistance in, in our hearts through the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus. You've drawn us to yourself out of your grace and out of your compassion, not because we are worthy or we could earn it, but because you are compassionate. And as we read in, in Paul's note to Timothy, it's your desire that everyone would turn to you for salvation. But Lord, how can that happen if we're inward focused? How could that be a reality that a man from China could hear the good news uh, in a small, tiny place in San Francisco if there wasn't a church there, if there weren't people there who wanted so desperately for others to know about the grace and the mercy of Jesus. So, Lord, as we think about this part of our mission statement this morning, we pray that you would uh, work in our hearts and our minds, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would call us to even greater challenges, greater sacrifices, greater opportunities to make sure that as far as our influence could possibly reach, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ would go forward. Lord, we're thankful for what it has done in our lives, and we pray that you would allow us to share it with others more and more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you haven't caught on yet, we're talking about church planting this morning. It's part of our mission statement at Green Tree Community Church. We're in uh, the middle of that series. We're actually beginning to be towards the end. We have two more weeks after today. Uh, but we've been looking at our mission statement just as a reminder uh, and as a bit of a refocus. And for those of you that have just joined us in the last year or so, it's a chance for you to see kind of behind the curtain a bit and understand what your new church is, is really thinking is important uh, and, uh, and what we want to put our resources, again, our time, our treasure, our talent, our energies, uh, where we want to work effectively. So as in every other Sunday of this sermon series, the sermon in a sentence is the mission statement. Green Tree's mission is to know Jesus Christ, to serve him in joyful obedience, and to make him known by growing disciples, planting churches, and renewing communities. Well, this morning we're talking about renewing communities, and this is the one that's just a little bit abstract. It is, when we talk about growing disciples, if you are a believer in Jesus, then growing disciples pertains to you every day of your life. You're a disciple of Christ, and you want to grow in him, you want to follow him, you want to help others do that. You can walk out of a sermon like that and you go, now here's a couple things that I'm going to be thinking about this week as I think about my growth in discipleship and, and my impact for others. When we come to renewing communities, which will be next Sunday and the following, the same thing will be true. You'll be able to walk out and say, boy, I need to be thinking about X. Church planting, not so much, right? Most of the people that come to Green Tree uh, stay at Green Tree. They don't go out to plant another church. Now, some have over the years. There have been a number of folks that go. But for the most part, you're not going to walk out today going, now here's what I should be doing for the cause of church planting when it comes to just my involvement in going and planting a church. And yet, you are part of a church that believes that one of the highest callings God has put on us 
is to invest in other communities and help them start churches. And I think these passages of Scripture make it abundantly clear what's behind that mission. Four observations, four different passages. Let's jump in. The first is this. Church planting is about prayer and trust. If you go back to that Acts 13 passage, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Baal uh, Baal and Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul. I'm glad it wasn't a bad word. You you have this vision every once in a while you're going to, I tell you a story about something I did years ago, but I'm not going to. Um, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They were involved in worship. They were, they were doing what we're doing this morning. They were engaging with God. And when you engage in God, when you worship God, what happens? You're drawn in to the heart of God. Hopefully as you sang this morning, or if, if, you, if you don't like to sing and you just kind of listen to the folks around you singing, hopefully you paid attention to the lyrics and giving praise to God. And hopefully that stirred something in your heart. When you were reminded through singing that, that God has loved you through Christ Jesus, hopefully that drew you into the heart of God, but also that worship as it draws us into God's heart causes us to ask the question, where's he going? What is God doing and, and how can I follow along with him? So I think back to our very first church plant in Columbia, Missouri. We were barely a year, maybe two years old, And we were praying that God would show us where we should start on this very important mission of church planting. And it dawned on us as we prayed and as we worshiped that there was an incredibly talented young man who was running Campus Crusade in Columbia, Missouri named Dave Cover. And that Dave had been the leader of that that, uh, crusade uh, branch in Columbia for almost 20 years. And so not only was he good at communicating with college students, but he knew the community. He lived in the community. He was part of the community. And, and the best thing we could do is, is invest in him financially to say, Dave, why don't you step away from crusade and plant a church that can impact not only the university, but have a, a much more far-reaching impact in the city of Columbia. And we wrote him a check for $100,000 and said, have at it. And we wrote him a check for $100,000 when we had $120,000 in the bank, right? Why? Because of worship because of prayer, right? They were, they were praying, they were fasting, and the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Church planting is about prayer. It's acknowledging that this is all God's plan. And what we're simply trying to do is keep up and not miss an opportunity. But when we worship, when we pray, we submit ourselves to God's voice and we listen to God's voice. And when we hear it, we have the opportunity then to respond and trust him, which which leads us to faith, right? So what they do is the Holy Spirit says, I want Barnabas and Saul. I want two of your key leaders. I'm gonna take them away from you. They're not gonna hang out with you guys in Antioch anymore. I'm gonna send them someplace else because there are other churches that need to begin, So what did they do? They said, Lord, you need to rethink this because they're two of our key leaders. What's going to happen to us if they go away? No, they don't. They trust God. They have faith. They lay hands on them. They pray for them and they say, go have at it. And we know that that if God sends you, he'll bring somebody else to, to help us in the mission here. God doesn't cannibalize part of his church in order to feed another part of his church. God brings more in. There hasn't been a time when we've planted a church where that hasn't been true. Our very first church plant locally was was over in Webster, was Riverside. And we did that because there were about 80 people, about 19 families made up about 80 people who were coming to Green Tree every Sunday in Kirkwood from Webster Groves. And we said, how are we going to stop this? (laughs) We can't have these Webster people over here. 
we've got to do something about this. And then somebody much more spiritual than me said, hey, we could plant a church over in Webster Groves. Gee, I wish I would have thought of that. And, and, and 80 people. And at the time, there were maybe, I, I don't know, Scott, maybe 150 of us, something like that. Maybe 200 of us. I'm looking at Scott Holly, who's, who's old like me and has been here from the beginning. It, it, it was a big chunk of people. And part of what we said was, well, I hope the Lord realizes this and brings some other folks. And yet we had, we had all those people were, were replicated within a year. Didn't miss a beat. Other folks that were there stood up and did more than they were doing before. God brought other people in. Why? Because we were trusting him. Church planting is about prayer. It's about trust. Secondly, church planting is about church. Isn't that brilliant? Baseball is about baseball. Wow. There's a great insight, Tom. Thank you so much. But let's look at chapter 14 for just a second. When they had preached the gospel in that city, uh, Barnabas and Saul, they did what? They made many disciples. They returned to the places they'd been, to Lystra and to Iconium, and then eventually to Antioch. What did they do along the way as they returned back to those cities? Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and talking about tribulations. Then verse 23, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church, not in every city, not in every area, but in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. You are saved as an individual. I understand that. I, I, I get what Scripture says there, that I must put my faith in Christ Jesus for salvation. And I do that as an individual. I do that as Tom Ricks. I trust in him. But I am not saved to an individual relationship with God only. More importantly and more biblically, I am saved to a community of faith. So some of you have said to me from time to time, or folks have said to me from time to time, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church. Well, you're speaking against Scripture when you say things like that. That's a foolish thing to say because that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says you need community. Scripture says it's not good to leave Tom Ricks alone for 10 or 15 minutes by himself. He'll get this messed up. So I need to put a bunch of people around him to encourage him in his faith, to strengthen him, to, to challenge him to read the Scriptures, to go deeper, to help him understand what his gifts are, to use those gifts for the kingdom of God. You have been saved to community. You have been saved to the kingdom of God. When I send a note out to the entire congregation, every time I send one out, it says, Dear Green Tree Spiritual Family, that's not because I'm trying to be, you know, figure out a winsome way to help everybody feel warm and fuzzy. It's because that's the reality. You're not saved to an individual salvation. You're saved to an individual relationship with Jesus that leads you into a family. So Paul, uh, Saul, Paul, Saul <laughs> before he came Paul, and Barnabas understood this. So yes, they were talking to individuals about the faith, but as they came to faith, they established community. Church planting is about church. Look at what Jesus says about the church in Ephesians chapter 5. Next year, we're actually going to do a, a year-long study in Ephesians, so we're going to come back to this. But listen to what this says about the church. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle in any such thing that she might be holy without blemish. So a bunch of y'all raised your hands and you, you looked at the royal wedding. I didn't watch the wedding, but I looked at some pictures and it was stunning. It, it, it was absolutely beautiful. I, although I can't understand why she let him have a beard when they got married. That doesn't make sense to me. But it was glorious. And, and, and they were the glory of one another. And there's coming a day when we're going to be reunited with Jesus. And we're going to be with him for all of eternity. And it's going to be like a big wedding reception. And everybody's going to be dressed to the T's in the righteousness of Christ. 
all the filthiness of our sins is going to be done away with, and it's going to be a gigantic celebration. And Jesus has set it all up for his bride, the church. We must be committed not just to individual salvation. We must be committed to the church of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, church planting is about others. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. But our hope is that as your faith increases, Paul's writing to a church that they planted, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. What Paul is saying there is something very interesting. He's saying as you grow in faith, hopefully part of what will happen because of that is that you will appreciate what God has done through us for you and you will become part of the sending. You'll become part of the folks that make sure that other people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church planting is about everyone everywhere at all times. And as a community of believers, yes, we must care well for one another. We must do life well together. We must be involved in community renewal. We're going to spend the next two weeks talking about how important that is, but we must be part of the sending. It's part of the DNA of the kingdom of God. It must always be a priority for us. I want you to know that that a lot of you maybe don't even know that you're in a denomination, but you are. You're in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church denomination. I want you to know that our our leadership in church planting at the denominational level has has, uh, focused in on two primary goals for the next five to 10 years. The first is planting churches in underserved communities, churches where and communities where folks can't necessarily afford to launch a new church plant, but the gospel is needed nonetheless. And we want to be part of that. The second priority they've set is, is to reaching uh, unchurched areas, under, under, uh, not only underserved, but unreached areas. And you say, we don't have any unreached areas in the United States. Well, maybe that's because you live in St. Louis, Missouri, and we're still pretty much a church town. But it's not, that's not true across the board. We are, and I, I'm not an alarmist by any stretch of the imagination, but we are living in a post-Christian era in the United States. And there are many regions in our country where the population is, is much more unbelieving than it is believing. And so we want to be used by God to, to go back into some places that at one point embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ and reintroduce those populations to the Lord Jesus. To that end, I want you to know what Green Tree Community Church is doing. We have joined and partnered with four other churches in our area. Uh, most of which are EPC, but the journey's partnering with us as well. And we formed a network called the St. Louis Region Church Planting Network. That's a really fancy name, isn't it? We've got to come up with a little better name than that. But the whole focus of this group of five churches is to plant churches in underserved neighborhoods in St. Louis. And so the next church plant after our St. Charles one that we, in which we will be involved, which will be partners in helping other churches, will be in our own city where the gospel is so desperately needed. So the church planting, we must understand, it's always about others. Paul says to the Corinthians, I want you guys to grow in your faith so you can help send us to people that don't know Jesus. It's always about others. And then fourthly, church planting is about the indiscriminate, unapologetic sharing of the gospel. As an older man, Paul says this, Timothy, remember this preaching that you're doing, this is good. Why? It's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Why? Because he desires that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. When you're a young church plant, you are desperate 
for anybody who will walk in the door and sit down and hang out with you for an hour or so. And so when you have 20 or 30 people, all 20 or 30 of those folks are going into their neighbors and their school and their soccer teams and the different places. They're saying, hey, you want to come to church with me? We're starting a new church. And everybody's an evangelist and, and everybody's fired up, not just because they're so super spiritual, but because they, they, they want to see their church grow. They want to see a home here. And yes, because they absolutely want people to come to knowledge of God because God's passion has become their passion. And Paul reinforces this with Timothy to make sure he understands that there isn't anybody that shouldn't receive an invite. There isn't anybody that's beyond the love of God. You could probably think of someone right now in your mind, man, woman, boy, girl, whatever, that, that, that is a, a friend of yours or a family member of yours and say, I just don't think God's ever going to save that person. They're just way too far gone. They just, they hate God. They don't want anything to do with them. They don't believe him. They think it's foolish. And you may think that that person simply has no chance of salvation. And Paul's writing to a young pastor and young pastors can get discouraged. I remember way back in the day when I was young and I would get discouraged and I would think, does anybody really want to hear this? So Paul reminds Timothy who's speaking here. And he says this in verse seven, for this, I was appointed preacher and an apostle. And then look what he says to to a young man who knows him really well. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles and faith and truth. When do you have to say that to somebody? When you're in a conversation with somebody and you stop and you go, wait a minute, I'm telling you the truth. I am, I am not lying. You have to say that when you say something that sounds incredible. It either sounds too good to be true or there's no way it could possibly happen. Why does Paul say that? What he's saying is if God could save me, he can save anybody. Paul When he was Saul, before he was Saul in Antioch, he was Saul who tried to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. Start in Acts chapter 6 and read to about Acts chapter 10, and you will see Saul is out there trying to destroy Christianity single-handedly. And then he becomes the greatest proponent of the faith. (laughs) Shows a little bit of God's sense of humor. It also shows his power, and it reminds us that it's about everybody but it's about the gospel. The gospel is what transforms our lives. The gospel is what allows a a man from China to come to the United States to study and in that process to become a Christian and desire nothing more but to go back to his home country and to start a church there. Will we be faithful to our mission? Will we continue to seek to plant churches. Again, when you walk out of here today, you're probably not going to rush out and plant a church. Really what our, our biggest investment is in church planting, quite honestly, is money. It, it's, it's the generosity of this congregation. So you're getting a little bit of a tiny bit of a stewardship sermon in the middle of May. The more generous we are, the more churches we will be able to plant. This year, this calendar year, Green Tree Community Church has committed $65,000 to church planting. $50,000 of that is our second year of three-year commitment of $50,000 a year to Brian Roskin and his church plant in St. Charles. If you want to encourage Brian Roskin, if you actually, here's something practical you could do. In the next couple of weeks, if you don't have a responsibility here, go out and worship with them. Again, you walk in the door and you're a live body and you can walk and chew gum. They'll be so glad to see you. You won't have to do anything other than just be there. Uh, and you'll be blessed and, and they'll be blessed as well. Stop, drop in on them and see them. But we've committed financially to them, $150,000 over three years. That takes generosity on all of our parts. That doesn't happen if we put our hands in our pockets and we close our, our grip on our wallets pretty tightly. The other $15,000 is going to invest in this church planting network for the city of St. Louis. We want to continue to do that, but we want to double that. 
We want to triple that. So whether you're given $10 or you're the person that can be used by God to set up an endowment that lasts long beyond any of our lifetimes is irrelevant. I think probably both those people are in this room this morning. We probably do both of those things, but it's the generosity. It's, it's the commitment that it's for others that will allow us to share the gospel, to be uh, under God's direction and letting him write his part of his church planting story through Green Tree Community Church. So I've, I've taken about 20 minutes to try to share this with you. There are actually a few people that wanted to, uh, to chat with you this morning, and they're going to via the screen, and they're going to say it much more eloquently than, than I possibly could. So watch the screen. I'm Ty Sweeterman. And I'm Scott Kemper. And we've been going to Riverside Church for a really long time. My family, we started going to Green Tree in the summer of 99. And within a week or two, with our family going, we heard in the announcements they were going to start a plant church in Webster Groves. And we are from Webster Groves. And we thought that was a fantastic idea. We love the church. I started playing drums. My wife started working in the nursery. Just a great fit, a great home for us. So we were really excited to be there, but we were also really excited about the opportunity to bring that same warm, welcoming church to Webster. So I am not from Webster Groves, but I wanted to be from Webster Groves. And that's what appealed to me, is what a local feel the plant in Webster had. We wanted to meet as many people as possible, and we wanted a place to be. And church is a great place to have a place where you kind of belong. And the fun thing about a plant is every week, you kind of really don't know what's gonna happen. It's sort of like going to camp. You, you're like, hmm, I guess we'll sing some and someone will preach. And I'll probably meet some new people. Yeah, we started out meeting at Hickson Junior High and all we had was about 10, 12 families. Very tight knit, it was really, really a special time. And we would show up and for a while we just pulled stuff out of our cars. But within a few months we actually needed a trailer and we would bring everything in, set up, do church, break down and head home. And that went on back and forth for, well, about 15 years. Yeah. We have a few hundred people who are members or regular attenders. When we looked at the future, um, we didn't ever think we'd own a building and now we do. And there were a few years ago that that we didn't know if we would grow as a church, and we have. I would encourage Green Tree to continue on this path. They kept encouraging us and, and pushing us to, to stand on our own, and it's been such a blessing to us, and we're just proud to be a part of that story. My name is Mike Werkheiser, and I am pastor at City Church uh, in Lafayette Square. I may look like a strange face to you, but I was a part of the Green Tree family for a number of years. Started attending there just as a regular attender in 2003, got hired in 05. At that time, we were moving toward a church plant. The ministry I oversaw, which was Damascus Road, college and young adults, um, we were just growing and kind of evolving, and that seemed like the next step. And so we kind of threw our name in the hat, and unbeknownst to us, 
Uh, we were kind of chosen as the group to go out and, and, and do that work. And so we prayed and studied and put our minds and hearts to work and we were led, we felt called to go toward the city, uh, specifically Lafayette Square. So we spent all of 2008 planning, strategizing, praying, worshiping, building our core team, which at the time was about 22 people, all from Green Tree. We launched on Easter of 2009. Initially, we, we were worshiping down in Soulard at a building called the 9th Street Abbey, but we had our eye on this building almost since the beginning. It's at a great place in Lafayette Square. It's attached to an education wing. One of the issues that we discovered when we moved down here is that education is a real need. And so part of the process of us planting the church was also figuring out what it would look like to start a school. We've been welcomed and embraced by the, the community. And if you were to come to a, a worship service at City Church, you likely wouldn't recognize anybody. But you have blessed us greatly. Green Tree's investment up front, not simply financially, but through people, through guidance, leadership, prayer, support of all kinds, you can't put a price tag on that. And we are here today, definitively, because of you. And I'm so grateful for Tom and the elders, for the vision that they had before City Church was even a thought that has carried through to this day. And I would encourage you to think about your commitment to church planting as a commitment to people. Because the people that come to City Church on a weekly basis, many of whom uh, were unchurched, maybe de-churched, skeptical of the church, and have over time found a home here, and it's exciting. My name is Brian Roskin, and I am the pastor at River City Church, a church plant of Green Tree Community Church that exists out in St. Charles. In 2016, I began an internship at Green Tree where I worked under different staff members, learning how they did their particular jobs and really learning the culture of Green Tree so that we could take that culture and bring that out to St. Charles. We began to form a core group at the end of 2016 and into 2017, a launch team. And in August of 2017, we worshiped for the first time together and we've had services since then. So for the last nine months or so. As I look around at the people who show up at River City Church, I see people who were not connected at churches before, people who were driving long distances to go to a church, or people who had no idea who the Lord was before. And so because of the generosity and the vision and the mission of Green Tree Community Church, we have a local church in St. Charles that is serving the people there. And now our vision as a church plant of Green Tree is to be a church that plants churches as well, joining in that network and renewing and restoring this world. Me and Tom met really um, organically. I didn't know him, he didn't know me. He was pursuing an opportunity to plant some churches in our African-American context. We kind of connected one day at Spencer Grill over there in Kirkwood for breakfast, and we both began to share our stories of how we believe God was calling us to plant churches. So right now I'm in seminary at Covenant. Just today I got the final product of our new church logo. The name of the church plant is gonna be Woke Bridge Community Church. And also I'm meeting with a few men now and just praying and dreaming about God raising up a team. We really envision creating a culture and an environment where the unchurched and the skeptics and the unbelievers are gonna feel free and feel welcome to come and, and hear this 
about this God King Jesus. And I'm excited for this to be a place where we're going to be able to mentor, train, and raise up young African-American men for the gospel to help win back and redeem our culture for his glory. I think it's very important for all of the people, all of the members, all of those in leadership and on the staff at Green Tree Community Church to realize how important the work is that you guys are doing and being intentional about planting churches. Even though you may not always see the tangible fruit and it may not always be easy and I know it costs a lot and it takes a lot of sacrifice, you need to really continue. There are people lives that's being changed because of the work that you're doing. Keep up the good work. So the takeaway from that is it all happens at Spencer's Grill. <laughs> so if you want to be generous, go eat there. Keep them in business. Uh, the great, the, actually, I've had a meal at Spencer's Grill with every one of the people on that list. <laughs> but the cool thing about a meal is you get to sit down and hang out together, right? You love the food if it's a good meal. Uh, but even if it's a special occasion and it's a really wonderfully prepared meal and presentation is glorious, whatever that means, and it's, it's fantastic, what, what makes um, any meal special is the people with whom you eat. It's the fellowship that you have. And so uh, uh, good people make a, a, a bad meal better. But, but a good meal served to family can be really special, and that's what we're doing this morning. It's appropriate that we end our, our service this morning with the Lord's Supper because Jesus has invited us to the table. He's invited us to come and fellowship with him. And when you sit down and spend time with Jesus, you, you first of all, if, if you're honest about your own sinfulness, you, you become undone pretty quickly. You realize how much grace it took to save you you realize how fortunate you are because God didn't have to save you. He wasn't forced to do that. He did that out of kindness and out of compassion. And so I, I put myself, you know, kind of next to Paul going, I'm not lying. It's true. God, God was redemptive even to me. But then at the table, Jesus says, now that you're refreshed, now, now that you've remembered what I've done, and now that we've had a chance to, to look to the future and know that someday we're, we're going to celebrate together for all of eternity, let's go find some other folks to invite. Let's go create opportunities for people to become part of this table. So that's why we say every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, this isn't Green Tree Community Church's table. If you're a visitor this morning, you've never set foot in this building, but you're a disciple of Jesus. You have come to him in faith for salvation. This is your table. We invite you to, to come and, and rejoice and celebrate with us. The only, the only warning I would give is if you're not a believer in Jesus, it, it really serves no good purpose for you. But we would welcome you to, to sit and to think and to consider the claims of Christ and his grace and his mercy for you. But, but this is, in the sense of faith, this is an open table. And so we want to celebrate together and we want to receive the grace and the mercy that Jesus gives through the sacrament in order that we would be empowered to a deeper faith, uh, to commitment to the ministry to which he has called us, that others would know him. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we bless your name this morning because uh, all the things for which Green Tree was given credit on the screen a minute ago, all that belongs to you, not to us. Uh, we just want to follow you. We want to be used by you to uh, reach more folks uh, with the gospel. So we thank you that we can now come to the table and understand that that passion doesn't begin with us. 
That commitment is not ours. It was yours. It was your commitment to redeem. It was your passion that led you to the cross. It was your sacrificial generosity that paid the price for my sins and for the sins of every believer in this room. Lord, I pray that that even though this wasn't a, a sermon on salvation, that there wouldn't be anyone that would leave this room without knowing your grace and your mercy, without experiencing firsthand and putting their faith and their trust and their hope in you alone. The Lord Jesus says, your followers, as we come to celebrate, we ask now that you would set apart these elements from their common use and that you would nourish our souls through your sacrament. Now, Lord Jesus, we pray that your name would be blessed and that we would be strengthened. We do pray in your name. Amen. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that he planted. He had left and he wrote him a letter and he said, I'm passing on to you what the Lord Jesus passed on to me the night in which our Lord was betrayed. He took bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. After they'd eaten, he took the cup and when he poured it, he passed it to his disciples. He said, this cup represents the new covenant of my body which is shed for the remission of sins, all of you drink from it. Because as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm going to ask the servers if you would uh, begin to make your way forward. And uh, while you do that, I will give some instructions. We're going to do communion a little differently this morning. And I'm going to be honest with you. The reason we're going to have you come forward for communion this morning instead of serving you, uh, which makes it a little more difficult because there's a lot of people in the room, is because we're out of communion cups. And we didn't catch that until late last night. So we're just full disclosure. You're going to be coming forward. You're going to have to kind of crawl over each other, and you're going to be tempted to grumble. But just know that starting next time, we won't ever run out of communion cups again. So as you come forward, you guys in the middle are going to come up to the front, come to the middle, uh, receive the Lord's Supper, and go back to the outsides. You all that are sitting in the side transepts, there are going to be people serving you. But if you would do the same thing, if you would kind of come up through the middle over there and then back through the sides, that will at least help the traffic to flow as best possible. If you are gluten intolerant, there are uh, gluten-free bread, and it's kind of tucked under the napkin. So you'll be able to find that without any trouble at all. That is there for you. I'm sure the Lord Jesus, when he instituted this, was not thinking about our communion cups or the lack thereof, but about his grace and his mercy to be shared with all. And in that spirit, I invite every one of you who is a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and celebrate at your Lord's table.